You are now listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything that's anything with your hosts, David and Brenda. Now, let's get to talking about this and that. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of This and That, coming to you from Podcast Land Studio, are your co-hosts, Brenda, also known as Miss Bren Bren. And this is David, a.k.a. Dr. David, a.k.a. The Professor. And we are coming to you on June 2nd, 2019, with episode 18 of our eclectic podcast, This and That. Absolutely. This is a very eclectic podcast, as we like to say. We talk about everything that's anything during our podcast. In fact, looking at the calendar, I think we've got an anniversary coming up. And I would say today is our six-month anniversary because we did our first podcast recording on January 2nd, 2019. And would today not be six months later? Uh, just about. So, or five months, really, I guess. Are you sure? Well, yeah, January is one. This is six. All right. five months. All right, so a five-month anniversary... Um, and I'm just excited because when we started out, we started out with 27 cities here in the U.S. That is that correct? Yes. And now we have listeners in over 100 U.S. cities. As well as uh, listeners outside the U.S. in 36 countries. Uh, spanning across five different continents. So I think in five months, that deserves a round of applause. Wouldn't you agree? Yep, I agree. <laughs> so we, as we always do, we like to give shout-outs to everyone who is listening to us. And here in the U.S., that includes those in... Cincinnati, Ohio, Crofton, Maryland, Orlando, Florida, Newark, Delaware. Uh, We'd like to thank our international listeners as well, and that includes those in the cities of Seoul, South Korea, Santiago, Chile, Jakarta, Indonesia, and Molina de Segura, Spain. Again, thank you to everyone who has been listening to us from the very beginning on up until this very moment. And for those of you who have been loyal listeners since day one, thank you. For those of you who this may be your first time, don't let it be your last, thank you for listening as well. Absolutely. And you can find us uh, at various locations to listen to us. And that includes our home base of SoundCloud. We're also available through iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play Music, and TuneIn. We're also available via Alexa voice-assisted devices. And before we go any further, we'd also like to give a shout-out and thanks to those in the U.S. military who are not only listening to us 
here in the U.S., but also at international locations as well. So thank you to your families and those civilian supporters as well. Now, David, um, if folks want to email us with a comment, a question, anything along those lines, how would they get in touch with us? They can email the show's um, email address or send email to the show's email address at this and that at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. That's this, the letter N, that, all nine characters together, at sign, aboutgreatercincinnati.com. And of course, if you'd like to be added to our show's email distribution list, feel free to email us at, at that location as well and um, that David just gave you. And we'll be more than happy to add you to our show's email distribution list so that you can stay up to date with podcasts as they become available. What are we going to talk about today? Well, today we're going to talk about um, a, a tragic event that happened almost a week ago, the Dayton tornado. We had a tornado outbreak in uh, this part of the world, so we'll be talking about that. As, and uh, we have a special guest to help us understand uh, not only the impact of that, but the whys and wherefores of tornadoes, tornado safety, and the like. We'll also be talking about the uh, Scripps National Spelling Bee, uh, since that was uh, ended in a very unusual way, we'll say. We also, of course, have our Words of Wisdom, and this episode they come from our favorite certified professional life coach, and that is pretty much the show. Okay, then I think we should just go ahead and get underway. Congratulations from this and that to the graduates of 2019. As many of our listeners know, this is severe weather season for many across the U.S. And um, recently, here in southwest Ohio, as well as in other parts of Ohio, we had severe weather going on in the form of tornadoes. Joining us in our podcast land studio via phone is WLWT News 5 Chief Meteorologist Kevin Robinson. And you weather geeks out there uh, may recognize Kevin's voice. He spent four and a half years down in Atlanta on the Weather Channel before coming back home here to Cincinnati. So Kevin, thanks so much for joining us to talk about the recent tornadic activity. Well, thank you, Brenda, for inviting me. I'm excited to be here on your podcast, and hey, a lot to talk about with all that weather up there over the holiday. Well, yeah, there was some definite activity going on, and um, the Dayton area was recently involved in a lot of that tornadic activity. Um, do we have the final count for the number of tornadoes in the area? Uh, so far, the number stands at 20 as of last count. Um, I think that may be the final conclusion. But yeah, almost up to um, 
gosh, almost up to 2,000 tornadoes. Imagine now, that all within one night. Now, is that 20 to 2 dozen for the Dayton area or for all of Ohio? What, what geographic area is that covering? That's most of, uh, that would be most of southwest Ohio, what we would consider southwest Ohio into south central Ohio. So, yeah, but that's specifically for the state of Ohio. Wow. <laughs> that's I a, know, right? That is a lot. Now, that brings me to another question. Um, I think in April there was a reported 500 tornadoes. Is that right? Um, I'm not 100% sure on the exact count, but I do know for the month of May, uh, it's been an incredibly uh, busy May. I know like we're on a record-setting track here where there have been, um, gosh, I want to say going all the way back. And don't hold me specific on the date, but I know we're going back at least 20-something years here uh, where we've had at least eight or more tornadoes reported each day. So I think we're on like a record-setting stretch. So that ended yesterday because yesterday there were only like two tornadoes reported. Most of eight each day so far for the month of May. Wow. Now, Brendan, I keep hearing the term tornado outbreak, and I, I, I guess that's what you're saying is ended. What exactly is a tornado outbreak? I, I never heard that term until this year. Well, I think you could consider, I definitely would consider this from our region a tornado outbreak because we had multiple families of tornadoes uh, occurring within such a short uh, span of time. You know, this was all, this all happened probably within a six to eight-hour window on Monday night, probably even less than that if you do the exact time. But uh, a tornado outbreak would just be considered a, an unusually high number of tornadoes in an area over a short period of time. Okay. Uh, so I, I guess by definition, that means we're seeing unusual tornadic activity as in length of time, numbers of tornadoes, the strength, and so on. Is that, is that accurate to say? Okay, so exactly when is peak tornado season if we're starting to see all of this activity now? Well, peak tornado season is typically, uh, the month of May is the peak season. Uh, May historically has been known for the most tornadoes in any given month of the year. Uh, now, that would be followed by April, obviously, and then June on both sides. So April, May, June is what we kind of Okay, so um, since we, well, actually, when does tornado season run? It starts in March or April? Uh, March. For us in the Ohio Valley, it typically starts in March. And it's usually even reasonable, because depending upon the region of the uh, U.S., it, it varies a little bit as, you know, seasons, as the seasons change, the winter pattern changes. So, uh, specifically in the Ohio Valley, it would be from March to June. March to June. So just as tornado season is ending, we're going into hurricane season. Absolutely correct. Yes, starting June 1st. Wow, so starting June 1st, we're going to be in for a round of another round of possible bad weather. Uh, certainly possible. You know, the Atlantic tends to start getting busy in June, 
typically, in a normal year, though, you won't run into very high uh, tropical activity in the Atlantic Basin, typically not until you get to August and September. But you can obviously have storms before then. Okay. Okay. Um, well, we like to empower our, our listeners here at This and That. So, um, safety tips for the tornado season. What are your top three safety tips for our listeners? Um, well, the first thing I would think of is, I, let, let me back that up. I think preparation is key. So, the first thing I would probably do is have a plan. Uh, oftentimes, you know, fortunately, technology now has made it where we have this window where we get, you know, so much lead time ahead of the warnings. You know, back in the 70s, people only had, you know, maybe six to ten minutes. Now you have up to 45 minutes, you know, of lead time. So have a plan. And then probably the second most important thing to do is is to have a way to receive the warning. You need a way to receive the warning. And then thirdly, um, as part of your plan, it would be, you know, Kind of what to do. Okay. Where you would go in your home in the event of a tornado warning, okay. or business, or school, even. Now, as far as receiving the warning, um, I know that there are the you know <clears throat> NOAA weather radios. They they get alerts, and there are various apps you we can download on our phone to get alerts. Is there, is there any, I guess, one app or like that's better than others? Well, of course, I would send you uh, to, our, <laughs> to our website, our WLWT.com app. Obviously, we issue, uh, uh, we will transmit warnings and watches through that, and um, also follow us on social media as well. Uh, each one of my meteorologists at Channel 5 has a social media, has an active social media account via Twitter and or Facebook. Um, mine, for example, is Kevin. It's at Kevin WLWT, and we are always retweet or automatically tweet out warnings or watches. Now, we have uh, listeners from across the country and across the world, but since we're talking tornadoes, we'll stick with the U.S. Uh, are all of the apps, for example, the WLWT app, I'm assuming that's localized, regional. Is that going to be the case? Are there any um, apps that are going to you know, know my location and update me that way? Um, that I'm not, that I'm not exactly sure of. I haven't been able, I haven't found that. I know automatically that, uh, most watches, well, I know warnings anyway, are of course all transmitted through your, through your cell phone. Um, nowadays they can tell where you are by GPS location. Right. So I know like in Dayton, to be quite honest with you, given the time of the night that it was, uh, a lot of people were on their way to bed and were unaware of the significant threat of severe weather that night. So a lot of people were visiting. I can't tell you how many people told me that they got the first alert from their cell phone. Wow. That, that's, that's tremendous that they were able to use their cell phones to get the kind of alerts that they needed, so that's that's wonderful, and I'm sure you know that, that that saved a lot of lives. I was just about to say that you know, for as much of an annoyance as cell phones have become and a part of our life, they definitely serve a purpose. And I think that uh, uh, 
I'd say I, I definitely think are responsible for saving a lot of lives in Dayton. Right. I mean, if you consider the fact you had a been one of the most significant tornado outbreaks in Ohio history um, on a holiday, you know, on the tail end of a holiday weekend um, at 11 o'clock at night, and you only had one fatality. Wow. Like I said, it was a um, devastating tornado, but like you said, we didn't have a whole lot of... Um, of uh, injury or deaths as a, as a result of that. So that's just tremendous. No, I mean, I can't think of a time, you know, where it, it seems like, particularly in recent weeks, where we've had numerous big tornadoes, you know, that um, hit urban areas. A lot of people under the myth that, you know, tornadoes in rural areas, you know, they're for places in the middle of the country, they don't hit cities, you know, et cetera. And I think we've seen this myth kind of dispelled all over again. You're talking about an EF4 tornado that literally um, cut, you know, a swath, you know, a half a mile to three-quarters of a mile swath from one end of a fairly populated county to, to another. That, that, that reminds me. Um, was there a tornado near New York City this week as well, speaking of urban areas? I think there was a tornado in northeast Pennsylvania. Um, one of these days this week. They've, uh, again, this is, and what's interesting, this is all part of the same weather pattern. Really? It is. Mm-hmm. Wow. All part of the same weather pattern. Uh, and that's what's been so, that's why you've seen such an incredible uptick in the number of tornadoes during the month of May so far, because we've been stuck, you know, we've pretty much been lodged in this weather pattern that hasn't changed over the past three to four weeks. Well, I'm glad to hear that um, tornado season, at least in the southwest Ohio area, is about to end, and um, and it can't end soon enough. Now, I've, I've got a question, and it's kind of based off of one, one of my favorite movies of all time is, is Twister. Okay. And in Twister, obviously, you have the storm chasers, and they're going around trying to get data about the tornadoes. Um my understanding is that the tornado, the information we get out of the tornadoes, is it you know EF zero, EF four, whatever? Those are from surveys after the fact by the National Weather Service. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. What happens after a uh, tornadic event? The National Weather Service will deploy their teams, and they go out and they investigate. They follow the path of the tornado. And oftentimes, A, they'll start with determining whether or not it was even a tornado. Now, in the case of Montgomery County, in the case of the Dayton uh, storm, we, you know, it was a, there was no doubt that it was a tornado. Sometimes in Ohio, you know, we're no stranger to tornadoes, but we typically end up with your weaker tornadoes, what we call your ES0s on the enhanced Regina scale. Uh, that basically measures the intensity of tornadoes. So you have your ES0s, your EF1s. Those are pretty frequent. You know, they're on the ground for maybe at most two or three minutes, and, you know, they take a few trees down or they take a chimney down on a home. You know, minor type of stuff. Uh, But for, in this case, the Weather Service went out, and they went behind the tornado. They surveyed the damage. And, in fact, they labeled the tornado initially an EF3, but then late last night they 
up the intensity, uh, the trot would have for the tornado and made it an EF4. So, because so how high can to, you get on this scale? Uh, to an EF5. Wow. Okay. So, so it's kind of like, um, I, well, analogous to like hurricanes because I think five is the highest they can go with hurricanes. Yes. So, and, yeah, you don't want an EF5. <laughs> yeah, and, and speaking of hurricanes, in, in hurricanes they they fly planes through them and measure and everything else. Um, mm -hmm. Since since it's 2019, is are, are the National Weather Service or other folks working on just getting cheap kind of drones or UAVs and just sending them through tornadoes while they're active to get you know data while they're active? And I say cheap because they'll be destroyed. But that anybody thinking about that or working on it that you might know of. Well, they already have a, um, the government already has a large um, tornado um, experimentation project that they've been working on for years, uh, in which instead of drones, what they do is they actually have vehicles that have all, the, all this equipment on it, you know, that's measuring wind speed, humidity, moisture, all this information, and they actually use it. They usually have a Doppler radar on it as well. And they'll drive it near the tornado or sometimes even in the path of the tornado so that they can get real-time data on what's happening in the atmosphere in hopes of getting, you know, maybe an even earlier lead time to be able to warn the public when they see those type of conditions developing. Okay. That's an experiment. Any, I guess they probably don't have any kind of ETA on when that might become, you know, real technology and, and thrown around. Because you mentioned the 70s. And um, before all this Doppler radar, living in tornado country, yes, it was really, really scary. I mean, it's scary now, but it was really scary because you had no idea what was going on until, as you said, some cases seconds before. It was like on the ground and, okay, you got to deal with it. So I, that would be, I'm really interested if they could get that out and save lives. Um, well, I think they say... It's more of a instead of I, I think it's a uh, I think instead of looking at it as a as a bookend or a, you know or, or a spectrum with two ends, I think it's there's so much that we don't know about tornadoes and, and if you think about it, um, think about it this way: there are you know thousands of thunderstorms each year, and only a handful of them. I know right now it seems like we're kind of in a tornado frenzy, so to speak. But uh, if you think about it, tornadoes are still fairly rare. You know, because you think how many times it storms, how many times it rains, and you don't have any, you know, you don't have tornadic activity. So tornadoes in themselves are still fairly isolated. So, and this is, an, you know, and meteorology is an evolving science. So I think there will always be this continuum of study that we're doing. Now, um, also, just out of curiosity... Are tornadoes something that happen in the U.S., or do they happen in other parts of the world as well? They absolutely happen in other parts of the world. We here in the U.S. just happen to have the best setup, so that's why we have the highest frequency. But tornadoes happen around the Mediterranean. Uh, they happen frequently in Eastern Europe and Western Russia. Those are the, that's the other area that's usually most frequent for tornadic activity. Now, are they called tornadoes, or are they under a different name? No, like, they're, they're referred to as tornadoes as well. Okay, because I know... They call them tornadoes. Hur hurricanes in other areas aren't called 
necessarily hurricanes. Yeah, there's tsunamis and not tsunamis, um, cyclones. cyclones, that type of thing. They'll call them cyclones or typhoons. Yeah, in the um, in east in the western Pacific, they oftentimes are referred to as uh, cyclones or typhoons, depending upon exactly where. I know sometimes in the Indian Ocean they'll refer to them as cyclones, for example. Uh, in the western Pacific, they'll call them uh, typhoons. All right. So as David said earlier, we like to empower our listeners. So why don't we wrap up this conversation with a short game of fact or fiction? We're going to ask you something, and then you let us know if it's a fact or if it's fiction. And if you want to elaborate on it, you can. Okay? Okay, that sounds like a great game. Because, again, the more you know, I think... um People feel more comfortable. I know there's a lot of anxiety around severe weather and tornadoes, but I oftentimes tell people that you don't have to be afraid of the weather. Just if you have preparation and knowledge, those are your two best weapons of protection. Okay, so let's uh, aim our listeners with some knowledge. Fact or fiction, or a tornado sounds like a freight train passing by. Well, you know what, I'm going to have to say, I'm going to have to call the middle of that because most people that you speak, that you speak with after a tornado will describe it as a, as a freight train. Um, I've also heard it described as loud jet engines. To me, I've, heard, I've witnessed and heard tornadoes as a storm chaser before, and to me, they don't sound like freight trains. It sounds more like a loud jet engine. Okay. That sounds like the internet. They have the, um, what do you hear? Which name do you hear? Right. That's what that sounds like to me. <laughs> okay, Kevin. Um, fact or fiction. If a tornado is um, coming down um, your neighborhood or in your area, you should open all your windows and doors to equalize the air pressure to keep the windows and doors from being blown out as a tornado goes by. That is such a great myth and a great question, uh, and one that we have, that scientists have slowly been able to take out of the hands of the public. Uh, that, is a, that, is, that is false. That is a myth. That is not true. Um, and the reason why we're so concerned about that particular piece of information is because for many years we would find people who were in the path of tornadoes Instead of getting into a safe place, they would waste valuable time, um, you know, running around the house to open windows or open doors in hopes that the pressure prevents the house from exploding. Now, in theory, that sounds, that sounds good. But if you think about it, even in the most well-constructed homes, uh, there's still leakage of air in and out of the home. So when you, can, when you factor that in, along with the fact that if your home is hit by a tornado, you don't have to worry about the windows being blown out. The tornado, the, the, you know, the tornado's going to take care of that for you. Yeah, exactly. So, but, but like you said, that's what I grew up with all, all my life. So I've, I've always thought it was bogus, but glad to get confirmation. Right, and now we have it from a professional that uh, people are going to hear. That is very much fiction. So don't waste your time, folks. Get to your safe place. Yeah, definitely. Get to your safe place. Make sure, you know, that's the time you can be gathering helmets. We recommend it to put helmets on your head to keep yourself protected because it's not the tornado itself 
that's the killer. It's the things inside of the tornado, the projectile, things that are flying around, you know, things like, you, you take a pencil, for example, seems harmless enough, right? Right. But if it's hurled at you as a missile, you know, at 150 miles an hour, it then becomes a deadly object. That's a very good example. So that brings us to our last factor fiction. If you're driving and you see a tornado coming your way, you should stay in your car. That's a very good question. Uh, I wish everything was as clear as cut as a yes and no, or true and false in this case. If you can safely, if you can safely get away from a tornado, then the advice has changed some. Excuse me. Um, You should drive away from the tornado if you can get away from it safely. If you're somewhere where you're familiar with the roads, if you're familiar with the roads and you're familiar with the storm that's happening, you should continue to drive. Because what we've seen before, and I'm sure you've seen videos of this, people have stopped under under overpasses, which is a big no-no. You know, I think that one video surfaced with the folks that were in Kansas, I believe, or Oklahoma, I think it was actually Kansas, and everyone was gathered under the underpass. That's one of the worst places to be. But if you can safely get away from the tornado and you know which direction the tornado is moving, you're best to drive away from it. Now, what about um, getting out your car and laying in the ditch? I've heard that one before. And that used to be old advice that, that was recommended. The problem is that oftentimes uh, storms that produce tornadoes produce flooding as well. So you want to make sure that you get into a safe location. The idea of getting into the ditch comes from you want to be lower than the surrounding elevation. That's the whole idea of getting out of your car. You want to get into somewhere that's lower than the winds so that the winds would be over your head. Got it. So the idea is to be in a ditch. You know, if you're driving on a road, the ditch is usually lower than the, than the surface plane. So hopefully you would keep the tornadic winds over you, if that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. All right, well... Thanks, Kevin, for talking with us about all the recent uh, tornado outbreaks and definitely about the tornado safety tips. Brent and I found all of this really useful information, and I'm sure our listeners did as well. Excellent. Well, thank you. Thank you guys for allowing me to have the opportunity to join you here on your podcast, and hopefully um, for your listeners, they were able to take something away that they either didn't know or learned something new here, something that you know, keep them, help keep them safe in severe weather. We're still in severe weather season. Right, so thank you again. Thank you. That was some great knowledge that Chief Meteorologist Kevin Robinson shared with us about the recent tornadic activity and about tornadoes in general. Absolutely. I was really blown away by some of the the things he said, especially that there were 20 tornadoes. That was a number I had not heard or read anywhere else until uh, we talked with Kevin. And it's no wonder that the uh, damage assessments in the Dayton area and Southwest Ohio, Miami Valley area is still ongoing. We still don't have a 
accurate picture of the, the dollar amount damage, how much um, housing, including, by the way, um, some Wright-Patterson Air Force Base housing was damaged as well. I, I, a lot of, because of some of the devastation, a lot of areas have not been talked about, but it's really, really widespread for folks who don't live in this part of the world. But I think what's very enlightening, if not surprising, was that there were no fatalities yes. in the Southwest Ohio tornadoes. Right, right. There was the one, just the one fatality um, further up the road in, in Salina. The uh, 80 year, I think it was 80 year old gentleman who unfortunately was killed while he was sleeping. I mean, anytime there is loss of life, even if it's just one, it's that's too just much. too much. But still, given everything that happened during that, that outbreak, it is, it is, you know, near miraculous, some would say miraculous, that the amount of human and animal, you know, life lost and injuries is very, 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 very low. So what are some additional things that we should remind our listeners about? Um, for example, um, what's the difference between a watch and a warning? Okay. Um, both are issued by the National Weather Service's Storm Prediction Center, and, and that's at, at the county level for, for various um, states and the like. And watches are there because the conditions are such that tornadoes may occur. And watch areas are usually very large across multiple counties, and in some cases these days, especially across multiple states. A tornado warning means a tornado has been sighted, and it could be sighted in a lot of different ways, through spotters, through um, radar, indicated, as they like to say, and so on. And if there's a tornado warning, take immediate action. It's been sighted, and it's in your area. You should already have, as Kevin said, your plan together, and just execute that plan. That is not the time to start figuring out what you're going to do. And I think one other thing that's important is that when the tornado season is over, go back and look at your plan. You might need to update it and make some changes or whatever, but... um. Keep that in mind, because that's very important. Absolutely, absolutely. Conditions change all the time. As you heard in Kevin's interview, some of the um, advice given or tips given change over time as well. So I would say make sure you stay on top of that. Because um, when we were playing our little game with Kevin, I was actually a little surprised with some of the, some of the nuanced answers that he gave based yeah. on new information. And so was I. So when we're talking about safety tips... Where else can people go to get some additional information? There are lots of sources out there. I'll just name three. Uh, there's the Red Cross website, um, www.redcross.com, and there you can learn how to prepare, respond, and recover from a tornado and learn about how to use tornado shelters and get a whole lot of other safety tips from, from that website. Then you've got the, the CDC's website, one of my favorite ones for people who listen to podcasts. That should, should not be a surprise. They talk about how do you stay safe, putting together an emergency kit if people get injured and so on, and how to stay aware of all sorts of weather conditions, not just tornadoes, but thunderstorms, hurricanes, etc., and the like. And then there's ready.gov, which is good. It has a lot of information about disaster preparedness and recovery, and that's and and it's geared towards both 
households and businesses. Because if you have a business as well, you want to have a plan for that as well. What are you going to do? Are you prepared if there's a business disaster? Is it going to wipe you out um, financially? Who knows? And if those are, if there are folks that want to help, uh, help out, where can they go? There are a ton of, of resources. I would say for people who are not in the Southwest Ohio area, check with your local churches, nonprofits, because there's probably some sort of drive or effort going on for the Dayton folks. If you're in the Miami Valley area or Southwest Ohio, um, there is a comprehensive list I found on the Dayton.com website, and there's an article labeled Tornado Relief, How You Can Help, and it lists a ton of things that can be done and a lot of different agencies that that are involved. Uh, of course, the American Red Cross is involved, as they usually are with disasters, and you can make um, donations. The easiest way to donate to the Red Cross is that you can send a $10 donation. You can go to their website, redcross.org, or call 1-800-RED-CROSS, or text the word Red Cross to 90999 to give a donation. In the Miami Valley area specifically, um, the Catholic, Catholic Social Services of Miami Valley is asking people to donate via their website, cssmv.org. You can donate there, and they want people to donate money because that's the easiest way for them to deal with things quickly, and they can use those online contributions to go purchase food and other just um, stapled goods for, for people, diapers, etc., things like that. But they don't really want people to send the diapers and other things. They, they really want the money and they go get it because that allows them a whole lot of flexibility. And as previously mentioned, uh, there are still assessments ongoing at the moment. So there's still more to come on the topic of the um, tornadoes in the Ohio-Dayton area that happened recently, and we want you to continue to stay abreast of that information, but also at the same time, please send out your prayers and your thoughts to those in the affected areas, because those would greatly be appreciated. You are now listening to This and That with David and Brenda. So, David, how do you spell unprecedented? Uh, U-N-P-R-E-C-E-D-E-N-T-E-D. Unprecedented. Well, I am sure the winners of the Scripps National Spelling Bee wish they were given an easy word like that. <laughs> well, it seems that they, to them, all the words were, were, were easy in a way. Yeah, that's why um, I think the judges finally gave up, threw the dictionary out the window, and that's why it ended in an eight-way tie. Exactly. The, in fact, the, um, the word pronouncer, moderator, um, told the young participants there that 
they were going through the dictionary and showing the dictionary who's boss. That's pretty much an exact quote almost. And, and as Brenda said, after several hours of the final round, they just ran out of words, challenging words, and declared the eight remaining um, contestants winners. So and I wonder if that means uh, in the dictionary we're going to see some new very hard words added. <laughs> I, I don't know uh, if that'll happen or not. Maybe one of the words I'll add is uh, Octochamp because the, the, the winners dub themselves the Octochamps. And they each get, usually the winner gets the Scripps Cup, the trophy, for this because it's the Scripps National Spelling Bee. And they get a check for $50,000. Well, all eight of these kids are going to get their own Scripps Cup and their own check for $50,000. I think that's awesome. That is not a bad haul. Spending four hundred grand essentially, to do that. That is not a bad haul. And that's just because you could spell some really big words that I'm not even going to try to pronounce. Exactly. So we're not going to try and pronounce these words. But we'll let you listen in to some of the things that happen in the final round, and you can hear some of the words. The spelling bee action is courtesy of the Scripps National Spelling Bee. Auslaut. Auslaut. Can I have all the information? Erosyphilis. Erosyphilis. Can I have the definition, please? I beg of you. Cernuous. Cernuous. Can I have the definition, please? Aquilette. Equal it. Does this come from French? And that is why I never did spelling bees. Math tournaments, yeah. Well, you know what the hardest word that I was ever given at a spelling bee was? No. Extemporaneous. That was the hardest word that I was ever given. And see, today that wouldn't even make the cut for the list. It would not. So, needless to say... I probably wouldn't get very far. <laughs> well, the spelling bee, I, I had no idea how big time the National Spelling Bee had become. It's now televised live on ESPN. That's crazy. It's to almost me. like a sport. And, exactly. And it is because the kids, just about um, the, the vast majority of the kids have um, professional. Uh, or coaches, or they call them personal coaches, personal trainers. That's what the majority of the spellers are using these days. And there's also online, the people who compile, they, they listen to these spelling bees and they compile all the words that are used. So they're used word lists from previous spelling bees that are out there online. If you can't afford to get a coach or whatever, or you want to supplement it, I suppose. And, these, and it's really up the game for this. Well, you know, I had a personal coach. And was it flashcards? Exactly. <laughs> I knew you were twisting my arms thinking that way. <laughs> and that's, yeah, and that's what they're used, these word lists will become flashcards. So but it wasn't exactly a flashcard. It was an index card where I went through a dictionary and wrote down words on one side, definition on another, and I was my own coach using a deck of index cards. Those are flashcards. Flashcards don't have to be, I, I know that they're commercial flashcards, 
But growing up, we didn't have commercial flashcards. I'm, I'm just we telling you. We created our own. I think that about, was we might my, have had that you know, was my personal maybe coach. one set, but we made our own with index cards or whatever. And our our mother made stuff. I mean, during the summers, we had to spend time to 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 make sure we didn't to make sure we retained whatever we were learning, and we had all sorts of. Index cards, well, like flashcards made up on various That topics. was my personal yeah. coach. So I'm good. not mad at these eight no, no, no. champs for what they went through and that they are ending up with a 50K winner yeah. prize, well, each, each one of them. Well, the haters out there have been kind of poo-pooing this and saying, oh, because they're using coaches and it's too easy and everything. But again, if you... Think about it in terms, like you were saying, like a sporting event. Professional athletes have coaches. If they're individuals, if you look at track and field, they have coaches. They just don't show up and start running. Well, so I'd like to see the haters. Wrong with that. I'd you, like you to still got to get it done. That's just being prepared. I would like to see the haters spell, spell some yeah, exactly. of those words. Exactly. And if they can spell those words, then okay. They can go ahead and say whatever they want to say. But if you can't spell the words these eight octachamps spelled to win the prize at the very end, then I think they need to be quiet. Now, because this is this and that, Brennan and I like to ask the question, why a lot? And even if those questions of why are, let's say, not necessarily politically correct. And one of the questions that was burning on our mind is, why has the spelling bee been dominated by Americans of South Asian descent the past, it seems like the past decade or so, or, or two decades, really? Okay, David, so I'm going to so, ask you that question. India, Pakistan, etc. Why is that? Well, there's, there's a specific reason why. Apparently, there are two spelling bees that I could see that are the South Asian bee and the North-South Foundation bee, that are national competitions in the U.S. that are open only to spellers of South Asian descent. And that's among one of the reasons why uh, Indian Americans specifically have kind of dominated the scripts bee over the past two decades. Uh, and in fact, the coordinator of the South Asian bee, he said that um, the eight-way tie would never happen at their bee because they have tons of challenging words. In fact, he kind of, kind of, I wouldn't say trash, but he kind of, you know, gave a little jab to the scripts people saying they should have had more challenging words and, and move on and come to a final, final champ. So that's part of what's been going on there and, and why you have um, folks of specific Indian American descent um, primarily but South Asians, more broadly, the last two decades, dominating this because they're just getting more practice time in and have more competitive competitions. And the more you compete, the more you practice, obviously, the better you're going to get. That's, that's you, true. That's in whatever usually you do. what that means. The more you practice, the better so you will get. We want to get it out there because we figured there had to be a logical explanation and not some of the crazy explanations that you hear in passing in the barbershop or wherever else. That said, this in this eight-way tie, there was the first champion that was not of um, Indian American descent or Indian heritage since 2007. It was a 14-year-old girl from Huntsville, Alabama. She was one of the the octo champs. So well, that was 
fascinating as well. High five to all of the champs. And do you think they'll make a movie about this? I hadn't thought about that, but I could see a movie coming out of this, yes. Especially given how all these folks, the camaraderie there, I mean, there's no kind of cutthroat-ness. I know that's not a word among the, the competitors. Well, it may be a word now. Why not? Why not? It might get added. <laughs> a word for them to learn how to spell. So it would not surprise me if they make a movie out of that. So we'll see what happens Next in year. 2020. This week's words of wisdom are brought to you in part by New Horizon Coaching and Professional Growth Advancement, LLC. This is Sandra Hill, your life, business, and career coach at New Horizon Coaching and Professional Growth Advancement. And today I am bringing you some words of wisdom. This particular word of wisdom is called, what's in your cup? You're holding a cup of coffee when someone comes along and bumps into you, making you spill coffee everywhere. Why'd you spill the coffee? Well, you spilled the coffee because there was coffee in your cup. Had there been tea in your cup, you would have spilled the tea, right? Well, the point is, whatever is inside your cup is what will spill out. So, when life comes along and shakes you, and don't think this won't happen, because it will happen sooner or later. But when life comes along and shakes you, whatever is inside of you will come out. Now, it's easy to fake it until you get rattled. So, ask yourself, what's in your cup? When life gets tough, what spills out? Is it joy, gratefulness, peace, humility? Or does anger, bitterness, harsh words, and reactions come out? You choose. Today, let's work towards filling our cups with gratitude, forgiveness, joy, words of affirmation, kindness, gentleness, and love for others. So, what's in your cup? Thank you, Sandra Hill, for this week's Great Words of Wisdom. To find out more info about Sandra Hill and her life, business, career coaching services, go to her business website, www.NewHorizonCoaching.com. You can contact Sandra via email at CoachHill at NewHorizonCoaching.com to sign up for the upcoming session on Overcoming Limiting Beliefs get on her quarterly newsletter email list, or obtain a free 30-minute consult and coaching session. Finally, don't miss Sandra Hill's internet radio program, Grow Your Voice, Overcome Your Fears, every Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Well, Brenda, looks like another episode is about to be wrapped up. Yes, episode 18 is in the bag. We have gotten through another episode sharing some insightful information 
that hopefully our listeners will find very useful. What's on the agenda for the next edition? In addition to, of course, our words of wisdom and some of our other recurring topics, as Michael Corleone said in The Godfather, just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. Hmm, so you must be talking the mullet report. Yes. Once again, we will be talking the mullet report, hearings, etc. And we'll just leave it at that. All right, then. I can't wait. So until then, all the best, everybody. Peace out. Bye, folks. You have been listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything about anything. This has been hosted by David and Brenda and is presented by AboutGreaterCincinnati.com. Music by Poddington Bear. Please subscribe to our podcast so that you can stay up to date about future episodes if you have any comments or suggestions about this episode future episodes interested in sponsorship and or advertising please email us at this and that at about greater cincinnati.com all rights reserved thank you and all the best